there's a lot of subcontractors too. I just got in touch with another subcontractor for spray foam, family owned business, great group of people, got me a bid or a quote a day later, asked questions about the bid on how exactly what we want to quote it, are willing to have that conversation just to get our work. And we're a big builder in the area. So, you know, and a lot of these guys that are busy right now are losing their good builders because they're so focused on these new guys that, you know, because there's a lot of new builders in general too. And there's nothing wrong with that, but always take care of your bread and butter. That's the main thing. That's what my dad's always taught me too in business is you get good subs, take care of them. You get good employees, take care of them. Always take care of your bread and butter because they're going to be with you. They're the ones that help run this company. They're the ones that make the company what it is. So always take care of them. Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams. Thank you for tuning in to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 112. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we feature professionals in the skill trades, hiring managers, business owners, educators, and influencers giving real-world advice, people who tell it like it is with no filter. Can you do me a favor, please? If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star rating, write a review, and share the podcast with a friend. That would mean the world to me. Today's guest grew up in the Chicago area and moved to Florida, Marco Island to be exact, as a child. He attended FIU and played college football. He works in the construction industry, specializes in in home building. Please welcome the host of the Real Building Podcast and VP of Sales and Marketing at RK Ryman Construction, Bill Ryman. Bill, how are you today? Thanks, Keith. Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Bill, I got to tell you, it was so easy to research you. Because you have made a conscious effort of having a strong online presence, and I wish more people would do that. Is this something that just happened organically, or is this something you made a conscious decision to do? It was more a conscious decision. I mean, I I kind of, uh, over the last, I want to say four years ago now, I want to say time flies, but I kind of went all in on it, and I knew the importance of it. I always knew how important it was. Just, you know, I follow guys like Gary B. you know, obviously, Bad Milets of the World, Andy Frasilla, so on. But a lot of these guys are doing a ton of content, and they always preach about how important it was for years. And then I'm like, you know what? I need to start doing it. I'm one of the only ones really in my general area doing it in the building end of things. So why not get a jump start on it? And it's worked. It's been great for both building and real estate. Kind of gets you out there, lets people learn who you are as a person. And there's a ton of benefits to doing content. So I, I'm a big, big believer in it, for sure. Definitely. And you mentioned um, Andy Frasilla. I, I listened to his podcast. That guy, he's unbelievable. <laughs> I heard you were doing, uh, you've done uh, 75 hard. Are you doing that now or are you are you off cycle or are you not doing it right now? No, yeah, I'm taking a break from it. I do it probably once a year. I, a lot of guys, I'm in the Arte Syndicate, which is ran by Andy Frasilla and Ed Milet. They're both mentors to me and coaches. And there's a lot of people in that group that do it. And I did my round this year of it. It's I highly recommend 75 hard to anybody that it's a very 
mental test of everything uh, you can imagine within you to complete it. But it just it, in all levels, it changes everything for the better. So highly recommend it. I got a wedding coming up. I was thinking about doing it prior to the wedding, maybe once again, but you know, I'm gonna just uh, take a little break. And then I'll probably end up doing it again, eventually here shortly too. But love that program. No, I, I believe in it. I hear you. I'm into fitness myself and I'm pretty disciplined. And I, I looked at the requirements and I said, wow, I'd have to work around my holidays because <laughs> <laughs> I know times where I would slip. I'm like, all right, the Christmas holidays, I know what I'm doing on holidays. I'm traveling, you know, and, and you're around family. And that's when you know you're going to slip at home, you know, under a certain environment, you have more control over that. It's challenges when you go out, you vacation and you travel, that's when you get messed up from what I can and I've never done it. So I can't sit here and say, but I would imagine that's kind of just from looking at the things you have to do. Those are kind of the areas where you'd slip up on I feel. Oh, yeah, it's different for everybody. I mean, it's just everybody there's people that struggle with the water. I mean, I drink a ton of water every day. So that's not a big struggle to me. I mean, I I'm a social drinker, I don't drink every single night. But you know, on the weekend, if I'm out, I'll have a drink or whatever. That's been that was kind of a challenge. I mean, the two workouts with schedule that was very challenging being in the construction industry. Our days are long. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we tend to work late and then getting home and having to do an outdoor an workout outdoor later <laughs> at night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can, it, one of them's got to be outdoors. So usually I would save my later one for outdoors. And I used to do the weighted vest and just go for a walk for 45 minutes or a faster walk. You should say you got to challenge yourself with it. But reading, I don't have a problem with that. It was just there's certain things in that challenge for everybody that is really going to challenge you. The whole thing is going to challenge you in general, just because of, I mean, schedule and everything. But that's the whole purpose of it. It, it just it changes you in a lot of ways. I've done it twice now. And after each time, I've changed some way for the better. And I highly, highly recommend that program. I'm definitely putting it on my to-do list. You, you got to do it, man. Yeah, no, I will. I will. So one of the things I was impressed was, you know, you're a college football player. And that's not easy on, you know, on playing any sport at the collegiate level on any level is just challenging. You played with a player player that made it to the NFL. Did you ever have ambitions of going to the NFL? I heard that you were a pretty good quarterback as a freshman. Yeah, freshman. Uh, well, not in college. So freshman year in high school, I played. Yeah, I played. And, and my dad was a defensive guy. So I kind of went now over to the defensive side. I wish I would have stuck out quarterback, but that's a whole nother story. But no, I, obviously, I played 10 years of my life, maybe 11 years, I think it was. So I always had that ambition of making it to the NFL. Unfortunately, injury kind of stopped that pathway for me. You know, I knew quite a few guys that went pro. And obviously, I looked up to a lot of them. I was roommates with uh, one of them that actually went pro too. And uh, he was kind of a mentor when I was young, when I was a freshman in college or sophomore, actually. But yeah, I, I mean, you always have that ambition if you're playing, especially going into college too, it's a whole nother level of football. And and I played division one. So it was uh, definitely a lot different, a different step up into the game as far as from high school, you know, the players were a lot bigger lot stronger too and then you make it to the next level which it's a whole nother level and you can see kind of that transition you know with college players into the nfl not all of them are cut out for it but yeah i mean we all had that dream it's rare it's hard to do unfortunately you know i had to make the choice i made the choice to stop playing just because injury i was just 
my shoulders were shot from so many years of it. But I love the sport, love the game. Eventually, one day, hope to get involved with it some way, somehow. Right now with work and everything. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to coach. I'd love to be more involved with it. But right now with work and business too, I got got a lot of things on my plate. So I just haven't had that opportunity too. But one day I will for sure. Definitely. Yeah, another thing too, you know, your dad, you know, he obviously must have had a good influence on you. He was a Marine in Vietnam. And so we all know Marines are pretty tough. Can you please share how the influence your dad had on you and how that shaped you into the man you are today? Because... Yeah, I mean, growing up with a, I mean, I come from a family of Marines. My grandpa was a Marine in World War II. My dad was in Vietnam. I almost went as well at one point in my life. My dad did not want that to happen after being a Vietnam veteran and combat veteran. And he was basically frontline, went through a lot. I mean, that's, I respect that man more than anything. He's obviously the biggest role model in my life. But he, growing up, it obviously wasn't always easy, you know, because, you know, he's, you're very, he was very strict when it came to stuff, but my dad was very blue collar. You got to get up, you got to work. You know, he used to come in whistling the reveal or the, you know, that, that uh, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> uh, uh, in the mornings uh, to wake me up on Saturday and go to work Sundays, go to work, you know, he'd open up all the blinds whistling that. And that's stuck in my head. That'll be stuck in my head forever. He'd <laughs> uh, say time to get up, you know, little Marine and stuff like that. But, you know, it instilled a lot of discipline in us. It instilled a lot of, uh, obviously, drive. When, and it, it made us, it molded us to who we are, you know, as people. And I say we, I talk about my brother and my sister as well, too, because we've all grown up you know, having to work, having to, we never were handed anything to this day. We still never are handed anything. If we want something, we have to work for it. We've always been taught that since we were kids and we worked as little kids. I mean, we had a broom in our hands, sweeping job sites at a young age. I mean, just he'd take us to work and he'd be like, all right, clean the job sites up. Here's a broom or here's a vacuum, start vacuuming up. And he wanted job sites spotless to just like a Marine would. You know, and and it's just everything had to be spotless. Rooms had to be spotless, you know, and it just it taught us that discipline and it gave us that respect, too. That's the thing. We respected him, respected my parents. uh, And it was a good thing. Obviously, it had its bad things. Like I said, waking up early mornings and having to go to work as a kid after especially after like I talked about after like football practice and stuff, too you know, I'd have to go to work with them and so on. Or uh, that Sunday morning, you want to sleep in and, you know, we're either going to church or if we're not in church, we're working. So, you know, it's just, that's the family I grew up in, but I got a lot of respect for it. And it's kind of molded me to who I am today, for sure. Yeah. And I would imagine you're working in a family business. So there's no surprises in what's expected of you, I would imagine. It's not like you're shocked that, hey, you know, I've got to work at this standard at this level. It's not a surprise to you. It's it's an expectation. Yeah, and, it, and it, well, going off of what you just said there, it, it definitely gave me a respect for the business too. Because there's a lot of if you think about it, there, I don't even know. I I can't even think of the number, but second generation business owners, uh, the failure rate is pretty high too. And it gave me a lot of respect for the business, having to kind of start out as a grunt and work my way up you know, to where I'm at today. And, you know, my brother and I are still, you know, we're still not 
you know, we're owners technically, but it's still, we're working. We feel like we're working still to be in at a level of an ownership too, that we do. And it's just how my old man is. I mean, he's always been that way. He's never handed us anything. You have to earn it. And that's, that's the way he'll always be. But that goes back to what I was saying. It's given us such respect for the family business that we want to do good. We want to make it better. I want to grow the business. I want to, I have dreams for the company too. I want the company to be bigger than ever. I want it to be the, one of the number one luxury brands in, in the state of Florida. And that's like been one of my missions to keep going and moving forward too, just because, you know, our name's on the company and, and it's just, it's something we've gained such respect for and we continue to strive to do the, the th things right that my dad's kind of instilled in us, like clean jobs, uh, perfect clothes, you know, having the house perfect with closings, multiple punch outs to over deliver to the customer do the things that you know the customer is always going to be happy no matter what you know just by building that luxury brand that where we stand out where we're the known builder in our general area and eventually hopefully statewide that everybody goes to because they know they're going to get the best product they know they're going to get something that is just top of the line quality there's going to be no issues they're going to always have that relationship with us too as far as being family to us and just over delivering on everything we do within the business. And yours is also a business that I would imagine referrals are a huge or a big part of. Yeah. Well, that's oh, for yeah. any business. So I would imagine if you're delivering on that and you're in a very a specific market, I would imagine you're getting a lot of people who've had experience experiences with home builders, good or bad. So it kind of sets a level of expectation for them. If they've had a bad experience, they're going to be a little bit more defensive. If they've had a good experience, obviously, they're going to have a high level, but that, that'll that probably, I'm sure that affects how you guys have to perform. Oh, yeah. I, a majority of the clients, uh, we build for a lot of clients that are uh, second homeowners. Obviously, they're very, they go up to north for the winter, they got a house up north, and then they come down to Florida. Now, Florida is actually, it's becoming more and more that people are full-time down here. But a lot of the people I've dealt with, they are hesitant because, I mean, it's contractors, not all contractors. There's a lot of great contractors out there, but there's a lot of contractors, too, that just it's about turning over the product, making the money and moving on, you know, and it's and it's how can we uh, cut a corner to make more profits? And there's no conscious, I guess, the conscience, uh, having an actual conscience towards people uh, is kind of out the window. It's just more about just let's get this done, move on to the next and. I, I deal with that quite a bit. I feel like I have to, a lot of the times, over-explain of why we're not that contractor, why they picked us, and the reasons behind it, and why we're going to over-deliver on our product. And they're going to be happy in the end that you know they, they're in a great house. They have a team behind them that they can call us for anything. As long as they're in that house, even after warranty, I still have customers that call us for stuff. We take care of them constantly, no matter what. That's, I want to maintain that relationship forever. And I mean, it's a lot of people just deal with... They, there's unfortunately in the construction business. And that's one of the reasons I started my the podcast I did is because I want to highlight good people in the business. I want to showcase that there's great people in all assets of the construction industry and in real estate too. I mean, as you know, in real estate, there's a million real realtors out there everywhere you go, everybody, 
you walk in a grocery store, your local clerk's probably got a real estate license and he wants to sell your house. You know, it's just like, especially nowadays, because things got super busy, real estate was flying off the shelves, things are kind of normalizing now. So you're going to see an adjustment to the real estate market as far as realtors. But you know, when things are booming, everybody wants to be a realtor. So it's just, but there's bad ones. And there's good ones. It's just like construction. And that's what I want to showcase is that there's really good realtors that go above and beyond for clients that, you know, do the things that most don't that, you know, have to do the little stuff, even on inspection, stuff like that. I've fixed stuff for inspections just to, you know, help my client out rather than a typical realtor would be like, well, you got to pay for that, this and that, or there's nothing we can do, or they make a big deal out of an inspection item. I've gone there and just I bought, uh, there was a screen, a screen door that was broken. The realtor was making the biggest deal out of it. I went to Lowe's, gra- grabbed a replacement, replaced it, you know, and it was like, she didn't even know I did it. And she's like, yeah, that screen door is going to be the end of the deal. I was like, it's, there's a new one on there. Don't worry about it. Let's yeah. get the deal done. It's like, you know? it's like <laughs> pinching pennies for something that's so expensive. I don't understand people like that. Like I always look at, let's just solve the problem. Right. And yeah. And they're making a how big of a commission. Look at the commission they're making on a check, too. It's like, take some of your commission that you're making that you really didn't have to do much to get yeah. and then earn the money. That's just, and maybe that goes back to the way I was raised, too, is that, you know, I feel like I got to earn it. You know, I've just, oh, I have that mentality that I want to do whatever I can to prove to that customer that I'm earning that money. And I want to over deliver on that too, even when I got a listing or whatever. I just want their process, everything that has to do with them to be the easiest process as possible. And that and the construction side of things is why I've, I've implemented a lot of different things, whether it's software, interior design firms uh, that are helping us out, great subcontractors and just partnerships, great architects, just having those right pieces in place to make that process. How did you find those partners? You might, sorry to jump in there, but I think that's important. Touch on how you found those partners because I think that's very important. That's what's making your business successful. A lot of trial and error, I want to say, Um, to be honest with you, a lot of trial and error, but but it's, you know, I've worked with other architects and I'm the type of person too that I'm very big on communication. If you don't communicate with me, you're obviously not going to communicate well and do a superior product. I mean, it's simple to pick up. If you can't answer the phone, I had that today with uh, one of my subcontractors. I called him three times because I got to get a garage door installed and then also texted him. All you got to do is if you're busy, give me a simple text saying, hey, man, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I'll get back to you. I got nothing. So that to me, that just, yeah, that just shows like, you're not, you know, you're not, you're too, you're overwhelmed. You're not going to deliver a good product. I'm going to have issues later. And it's just all these things start. So it's just, it's, there's your subcontract. And there's a lot of subcontractors too. I just call, I just got in touch with another subcontractor for spray foam, family owned business, great group of people got me a bid or quote a day later, ask questions about the bid on how exactly what we want to quoted, are willing to have that conversation just to get our work. And we're a big builder in the area. So, you know, and a lot of these guys that are busy right now are losing very good builders because they're so focused on these new guys that, you know, because there's a lot of new builders in general too. And there's nothing wrong with that, but always take care of your bread and butter. That's the main thing. That's what my dad's always taught me too in business is 
you get good subs, take care of them. You get good employees, take care of them. I agree. Always take care of your bread and butter because they're going to be with you. They're the ones that help run this company. They're the ones that make the company what it is. So always take care of them. So that's kind of a long-winded answer on uh, on your question. Just it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of just kind of weeding through different people to your subcontractors to try and get the best that you can to over deliver on the product that you can. And, and that's how you end up just, you know, it makes life a lot easier in a lot of ways, I should just say, especially with the clients. I saw a post that you did on LinkedIn about the cost of materials, you know, because of the pandemic. And now we're seeing things changing a bit. What are you seeing? How has that affected your, because obviously that must have affected your business. I know I was trying to get my deck redone and and we're in Georgia and and it was like twice the price. And they told me, hey, we don't have a lot of lumber. It's going to cost you twice. They were honest, they were up front. And I wasn't surprised because we saw all the supply chain issues, but things are changing a bit. Fuel, I know, has gone down a bit. How are these things affecting your business? How are you guys adjusting? I've had to... Communication, it goes back to communication. It's getting ahead of the problem. I think where a lot of contractors failed is they didn't get ahead of the problem. They kept on taking on more work without addressing that. The overall, we all knew. I mean, we had a good feeling after once COVID kind of played out and inflation started to keep trickling up and so on. We had a feeling of what was going to continue to happen, especially once we saw demand spike as high as it was. Once demand spikes, prices always go up. You know, it's just, it's a common thing. The more demand, the more greed that happens too with manufacturers and so on too. It's it's not just because of fuel costs. They're, they're padding their prices too because they're trying to pad their pockets. We all know that. So, it, and then quality can go down too. So that's another thing because when there's such high demand, you're trying to force out as much as possible. And, you know, I've seen it in appliances. I've seen it in, you know, certain wood products that we get and so on that, you know, we got to constantly battle on shipping stuff back because it's just, it's not good quality. It's not, it wasn't built like it should. Furniture, stuff like that. Also, that I believe that's an integrity with. too, because you're not going to put that on your customers. So that no, also no. talks about your integrity. And that's the thing. Our customers actually, they expect that out of us too, because that's why they went with us. They expect a superior product that something's going to be delivered that's going to last. And that's the way we want it too, because it's less, we have a lot going on right now. You know, is the the last thing we want is to deal with a bunch of warranty work and after stuff, after we close a house. Yeah, we're, we're focused on what we got. We're trying to complete the projects we got. Yes, we always go to the warranty stuff too. And we just hope it's little stuff and majority of the time it is, but we always take care of it. But it is. It, it has been very challenging. We've had to shift and adjust our whole entire business, how we do our selections, what we have to order early or what we don't. But it goes back to what I said. The main thing is always setting that expectation from the beginning so that people know what to expect. If you don't set that expectation, it's going to be hell for you down the road. And because when I go into a deal, I say, hey, concrete prices could be going up by the time we build this house because we're not building houses until just because trusses, stuff like that. There's so many elements that go into our pre-permitting that it's taken months just to get these things to break ground by the time we get permit, you know, almost up to a year on one of the houses I have now. So, of course, prices are going to be higher. So if I would have not have said that back then and set that expectation and said, hey, things are going to be higher, you know, they could be higher by that time. You just you got to expect it. Is it going to be, you know, over a hundred thousand higher? No, 
but there's going to be an amount added. I'm just letting you know this. Lumber went down, so that was good because I've priced some of these things where lumber was at its peak, so they're saving money on lumber. There's give and take in other areas. We're going to work together through this, and I'm going to let you know that I am working on your side. And I do that every single customer too, and I always negotiate with my subcontractors. I drive them crazy, but I get that price, and they say, hey, Bill, the price went up on this. I say, hey, can you do it for this? And I always shoot super low and then yeah. you know, they'll usually, because they work with us and they want to keep our business, they usually say, here's the best I can do. So I show the client that, that I'm working for the client. I'm not working for the subcontractor. I'm not working for my pockets. I'm working for the client in their pocketbook. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like I have a sales background. I remember I used to sell IT services and I'd tell people, you know, you go into a Mercedes dealership versus a Honda dealership, they're both cars, but you already know this is what you're going to pay, right? So I always do a comparison. And then I used to just say, hey, this is the range of what you're looking for. Does that sound about what you expected? And, you know, if this way, if you said, hey, that was what I expected, then you're not going to come back. I'm not expecting you to come back in the last minute and say, hey, wait a minute. I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we discussed this, right? So you're right about that. Like if you just set that precedent, because like I said, the guy who came to look at my deck during the pandemic, I already knew when he said the prices were up because I was already seeing we we're having supply chain issues. It was on the news. Everybody was getting stuff done because they were stuck at home. So I already knew yeah. the prices were going to go up. And I knew the fact that I could barely find somebody to come out there. I just knew common sense was like, well, yeah, it's going to cost me more. And, and everybody was having supply chain issues. So, so if people are complaining, they're just they're out of touch with reality or they're just unreasonable. They, because you also have- Think about if that guy would have not said that prices went up and he just came over and he said, yeah, acted like everything was fine and nothing was going. There's, that's the problem too with a lot of, there's a lot of builders out there that are literally just, they're quoting super cheap, or they were, they were quoting super cheap and it's all going to, it's all catching up to them now. And the last guy in line is always the one that's going to get burnt. And it happens every single time things get busy. My dad said it over the years, and I've seen it growing up working in the business too, that when things get hot, you still got that builder that's trying to get all the jobs. They get 50 jobs or whatever they got going on, but they can't afford to keep them going. And the ones they are, they're just cookie cutting. And it's Rob Peter to pay Paul to keep the operation going until that last guy gets burnt because they run out of money. So that's the thing is you want a guy that's going to be upfront and honest with you. That's going to say, hey, man. Prices are high. Things are higher. I'm just going to let you know they could be higher by the time I start the project. I want to be upfront and honest with you. Yeah, I think once you say the price, you can go down in price, but rarely can you go up in price. Once yeah, you've told them, exactly. hey, here's what the price is going to be. I know I and said it was going to be They're going to be more pissed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you almost don't want that job. You know, there's some jobs you might want to walk away from because... You're going to have one tick, like you said, one pissed off customer. So that's just not going to work. Tell us about the type of homes you guys do, because I know you're doing luxury homes and you have special requirements for those homes, particularly Florida because of the weather. You know, you have salt water because you're Marco Island, right? Like I would, I'm imagining yep. the weather. Naples, Marco Island. Yep. Yeah, Naples, yeah. Of, surrounded by water. <laughs> yeah. So how, what makes your homes different from other homes what do you guys do different? Obviously, you've said it's good quality, but tell us a little bit more about what you do with your home that makes you different. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it, I, every builder is going to tell you we build quality, we build quality. I, I think a lot of people end up going with us just because our reputation for uh, over delivering on top. I don't know, you're going to hear that word a lot out of me because it's the truth. But like our punch out systems, all, all that that we do is just it's overboard. And I here's a thing the other day I was talking to my painter and he was talking about the punch out joking with me and he's just like oh i can't wait for you guys this punch out this and that and for those that don't know what punch outs are it's towards the end of the build and we take blue tape basically every contractor does and we put it over every little imperfection there is in the house now my painter he deals with a lot of builders locally in naples and the marco island area and he said i go so what are you saying we're a little too overboard and he goes you guys by far are one of the hardest punch outs I have to deal with. <laughs> he goes, by far, you guys beat out everybody else in your punch outs. And I said, you know what? I go, that's actually a compliment. So I'll take it. You know, Definitely. so <laughs> I go, because that's the expectation we want. We want that house to be flawless. We see stuff. I want to see stuff that the customer doesn't even see. And I want to drive my painter crazy. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's just how we want to just deliver a product that's superior to everybody else. And I've heard it multiple times. I've been through other builders' products. I see imperfections. I see it more than anybody. That's what helps me on my real estate end too, uh, as I gain that trust with clients because they know I know the construction side and what they should expect in certain houses and what they shouldn't. But it's... Going back to what you said on the building, and yes, building is very different down here. I know a lot of contractors around the country where we we have some of the strictest codes in the nation, if not the strictest, just because of hurricane. Everything sits on top of pilings. That's waterfront. You know, salt solid concrete all the way up, concrete tie beam, a lot of structural involved in these houses. Basically, I like to kind of say a miniature commercial building. But it's, uh, it's, you know, the trusses are all tied in. Everything is just tied in together, but it's all impact rated up to, I forget, I can't even, it's all hurricane rated. I think up to 190 mile or 180 miles an hour. I can't think of it right now. My mind's drawing a blank. But it's, it's, so obviously when everything comes with impact, everything comes with more money too. So impact glass, impact garage doors, impact front doors, everything's got to be rated for hurricane. And that adds to cost. Obviously, all the concrete we use adds to cost too. Some people up north might say, well, concrete's not that expensive, but here we use a lot more. So it's uh, dirt is not cheap down here too. We have to actually truck in the fill. Up north, they got an abundance of it. So we got to get fill dirt from, uh, it's about an hour, an hour to an hour and a half away from where we're building. So that adds cost, trucking costs, so on, freight's high. So it's just there's a lot of elements that go into homes. They're built like fortresses here. They're very well withstand anything as well. But that's kind of the difference maker as far as homes and what we're doing here in Southwest Florida. Okay. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I've, you know, I, I'm fully aware of the hurricanes in Florida. And, you know, it, I always knew that there had to be a whole, I knew there was a whole level, another level of, you know, rules and regulations in terms of the quality. You're getting also a lot of people who are moving from New York for this being a second home. Has real estate to them, I've always known the Northeast is, is, we all know the Northeast is more expensive. Are they looking at this as a bargain now or have prices started to go up in Florida where it's like, they're going to, you know, where it's not such a bargain as it used to be? What is your feel for the, for the market in terms, because I know Florida real estate is going up because everybody wants to be in Florida. Low tax is great weather. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends. Well, if you're comparing to Manhattan and stuff like that, yeah, it might be a bargain because I've seen some of their prices on some of their stuff. Definitely. But, you know, we get a lot of we get a lot of Northeast. We get a lot more Midwest on our coast. A lot of the Northeastern, they go to the other coast, actually. West Palm okay. Beach, Fort Lauderdale, stuff like that. It's crazy how that works out. But the other coast, I always say, is a little bit more crazier over there. As far as traffic, everything going, you got Miami, you got all that here is a little more relaxed, reserved. That's why a lot of people come down to Naples and the Marco area and Sarasota and so on. But yeah, I mean, their prices are high, higher here. I mean, I compared to Manhattan, though, it's it's probably a bargain in some ways. I mean, because you can get waterfront here for a lot less. But then again, if you're getting a beachfront property or something down here, you're paying big bucks. I mean, there was there's a house being built. It's been being built for, I think they're going on two and a half years now. It's a monster. It's like 40,000 square feet down in Naples off Gordon Drive. And uh, they bought the property, I think, for $30 million. There was a historic home on it. They tore the home down, and now they're building a house that's 40,000 square feet, which I can only imagine the cost of that. So there'll be probably 50 million in by the time it's done. But there's stuff like that going on. There's, you know, but it's, it, to answer your question, yeah, it's probably a bargain in some ways. You can get waterfront, obviously, 5 million to 10 million to, you know, it all goes all the way up to, like I just said. But you get something in Manhattan that's in a skyscraper downtown, you're paying big bucks for that too. Oh, but definitely. I'd rather. I'd rather live near the beach in the sun, near the water, yeah. to be honest. So oh, amen. I can't blame them. <laughs> yeah, no, amen. I, I agree with you on that. I've lived in the Northeast. I've lived in the in the South. So I know there is a big difference and I prefer warmer weather. There's something about good weather that puts you in a good mood and a good spirit. Yeah. So, And you know that because I think you, you played college football in Connecticut at one yeah. point. So. Yeah, one year, yeah. Yeah, so... I, I heard you didn't like the weather out there too much. So. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> that shock to the system. It was a shock to yeah. my system growing up playing in Florida. That first cold, that snow game, that first snow game I played, that was a whole different ball game for sure. Oh, so, I would imagine. I would yeah, imagine. It was. Yeah, I have nephews who play college football, and when they were being recruited, they were really tempted to, you know, go and do, yeah, play in the South. And they ended up at one was at Notre Dame and one was at Ohio State. They were, you know, obviously they're good programs, but, you know, they're from New Jersey, so they were used to the cold weather. But they said it was very tempting to, you know, play down south. But uh, I see, guess the they, heat would have got to them. They would have, the heat yeah. would have, yeah. See, I got used to the playing in the heat and the summer heat here was, it was the humidity that would get you here, but you get so used to it versus up there. It's like, Right after summer and that first winter came, I was like, oh, man, I had every piece of Under Armour cold gear you could imagine. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I have a lot of respect for outdoor athletes. My, I, my son plays baseball and basketball. And as a parent, you know, I can really appreciate basketball versus baseball because the heat, you're sitting outside on the field for hours that heat yeah. versus an air-conditioned gym. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a big difference, you know, especially as a parent and you're a spectator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big difference. I would imagine, you know, for you, football and cold weather and warm weather, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Bill, final question here. If you could meet your future self in 2032 today, like think 10 years ahead, what would you want to know? What would you ask yourself? That's a good question. I'd probably ask myself if I pushed myself as far as I personally could to, you know, I, I 
personal excellence, personal, you know, self-development. I know what I can be. I haven't even touched where I can be. Actually, I should put it that way. I, I got a lot of life to live, a lot of lot to give, a lot to do. And I hope in 10 years, I've accomplished a lot. I've accomplished a lot in a short period of time. Now, I mean, I've learned a lot. I've obviously messed up a lot. I've, you know, we've had our, I've had my ups and downs just like everybody else out there. But in 10 years from now, business-wise, fitness-wise, emotional, you know, every single aspect, physical, mental, I hope to be an even better person in all kinds of ways. I hope to help people. I mean, that's what I do with the podcast I have too. I just want to help people. I'm I want to. I don't advertise. I don't do anything like that. I just enjoy it. I don't promote the show all the time. I just it, it's it's a good thing to kind of showcase great people in the industry and just and just push the industry forward. And that's I'd love to be more involved with the construction industry and eventually speak. Hopefully, I'm speaking on stage by then in front of big massive crowds. You know that'd be that'd be nice. I've always. Hated speaking when I went to college. I hated getting her up in front of the class, but I hope to. I just want to challenge myself. I mean, get uncomfortable being uncomfortable. That's how we all grow. That's personal growth. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do as much as possible. Bill, another quick question. Who would you want to have as a guest on your podcast, a dream guest? So maybe if they're listening, who would you really want to have as a guest on the podcast? You could think of somebody, anybody you could have. Yeah, I'd probably say Ed Milet would be a good one. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's he's in the financial world, stuff like that, obviously. And then obviously, I'd love to have Andy Frisilla too. I mean, my podcast is obviously building related. I've thought about starting different different ones too. Uh, just if there was multiple of me, I'd I'd be doing it. But I got to realize sometimes there's one of me. <laughs> I think we all do yeah, as entrepreneurs, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. And if you can oh, have yeah. twelve of you, you'd love it too. But it's yeah, uh, I'd love to do a sports you know, podcast. As far as I could <laughs> sports, I'd yeah, love to do a sports yeah, podcast. I could. That'd yeah, be fun. me too. I mean, those would be that would be fun to do too. And uh, it's but you know, there's a lot of great guys, like great people in the real estate industry. Ryan Serhant's a big, big influencer in real him. estate. I'd love to have yeah. him on construction wise i mean hopefully more and more people are getting involved online and there's more influence in that space i, I there's not much yet but there i'm sure it's up and coming you know i'm trying to get more influence in and just be show that they're like i said there's great people in the industry that are building quality houses that are over delivering the clients and so on too so but i if to answer your question i'd probably say yeah had my let one day i'll have them That's on good choice for sure i hope you will i hope you will I told him I'm going to sell him a house one day, too. I nice. actually said that to his face, and he said he agreed. So we'll make it All work. Right. I've met him a few times. So the fact that you met him, that's a good sign. That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I think I'll have to I'll have to tag him on, on a social media I'm post. Gonna, I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna sell him or build him one, one or the other, because he said he wants to be in Naples eventually. He's got a best friend that lives down in Naples. So I told him we'll yeah, build Yeah, he's in California, house. right? He's on the West Coast, right? He's got a house in California. He's got his own island now. He's he's probably got another house. I know he was looking in this general area um, at one point too, and then uh, but he ended up buying a whole island. His kids are grown, right? He is, he's yeah, a yeah. Girl. yeah. Good, his, both both are in college, 
So oh yeah, he, uh, he he'll be ready to retire soon. He, yeah, he'll be yeah. Making that call Maples at some is point. perfect for him. I yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, I it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Please keep in touch uh, if there's any, anything I could do to help or share your message and what you're doing. Please let me know. And thank you again for being a guest, Bill. Yeah, Keith, thanks for having me. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.